think this is a precedent to the uh, Bible study that's going to be starting very soon. She'll tell you about that. It's mostly for women, uh, mostly for women, because usually a man or two that goes to kind of watch over and guard things at night while they're here. So she'll tell you about that. And Lisa, we're glad you're speaking. Good evening. Definitely it's an honor and a blessing to be here tonight. Um, I am going to be um, speaking a message. Of course, I'm talking about the book Fervent. Um, the Bible study starts tomorrow. But um, the message tonight is simply entitled Restart. And um, where Restart came from is I've been looking at my life lately. And I've been making a lot of mistakes, just honestly. And But with each mistake, my first instinct from the old me would be to just stop and give up. But God is like, no, you are going to teach the message, restart. And so I want you to understand that you are living the message that you're going to teach. And so you can't stop. You can't give up. You have to restart. You have to continue. You have to go on. And so I'm going to start off. Um, this is something that I just wrote today, and um, it's entitled Restart. The hardest thing for me to ever see was the truth about myself. The hardest thing I've ever done is admit that same truth to myself. The hardest road that I have ever walked was the one that led me to my true self. The hardest reality that I have ever accepted is I have been entrusted with the responsibility of myself. The hardest climb I have ever endured was out of the pit of self-pity and shame. The hardest truth that I have ever had to swallow is for the condition of my heart, my mind, and my life. I only have me to blame. Because my life is a gift, if it's in irresponsible hands, it is my responsibility to take it back. If the decisions I am making have me anywhere I don't want to or I'm not supposed to be, it is my responsibility to get myself back on track. I can continue to blame others or look to others regarding the quality of my relationships and my life. Or I can take out the mirror and look through my eyes into my true heart to see the areas where pride and insecurity were still in control of my life. All in all, regarding my reality, the one thing I couldn't help notice is that though I said he was, he was God really wasn't in control. I still had my say in what I would and wouldn't be willing to do on any given day. So I never experienced lasting change or true deliverance in areas of my thought life, my heart, my motives, my relationship to others, or the willfulness of my soul. So I existed in an incomplete existence. Situationally, every good thing I have ever desired to be. The one thing that I avoided admitting that I knew my situational status prevented me from becoming was totally, completely, undeniably, finally, fully free. In order to get there, my life had to become different, and the status of my walk with God had to become genuine and changed. I had to invite God into the areas of my life, my mind, my, my heart, that I had kept hidden even from myself, and give Him permission to have the control of my life 
my own decisions and actions had previously taken away. I have positioned myself for the first time for true healing. In spite of my mistakes along the way, I am determined to reach the center of God's heart. Every day along the way, if I mess up in any way, instead of condemnation that makes me want to give up hope or forward action, I am immediately comforted by the calmness of the Holy Spirit's still small voice speaking to me and into me the message of mercy and grace that leads to true deliverance, complete healing, and full restoration, which is restart. And before I speak, I definitely have to come to God in prayer, so please bow your heads with me. Father, we come before you this evening. It is such a blessing, such an honor, Lord, to stand before you and to deliver a message. And I just ask and pray that, Lord, you only are heard tonight. Please increase as I decrease. Hide me that none of me is seen, but only you are heard and glorified. Father, let our hearts hear what your message is. Let us understand the fullness of what it means to restart. That we don't have to stop. We don't have to go back. We don't have to wallow in our mistakes. But we have the opportunity every moment to start over again. Father, I thank you so much for the beauty and the blessing of your grace, of your mercy. And I thank you for this message and how you're impacting my heart with the message that you're bringing through me. Father, you have not finished with me yet. You've not finished with us yet. Your work is still beginning. Your, your work is still going on. And you have a great and wonderful plan for our lives. So thank you for your investment not stopping. But you have determined in your heart to get a 100% return on the investment that you've made in us. So thank you, Lord. Thank you so much, Jesus Christ, it's in your most precious name, that we thank you and we love you. Amen. Okay, so there are two scriptures that um, are highlighting tonight's message. And the first scripture is Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. The second scripture is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Um, Philippians is chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, and then there's 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. Both of those scriptures are very, very, very important to my life right now and where God has taken me. Um, he is helping me see with both of them. One, that unless I humble myself, I'm going to stay exactly where I am, how I am, and who I am. But when I humble myself and I confess my sins and my faults and my failures to God, He is right there with His arms wide open, ready to restore me, ready to forgive me, and ready to, to get me back 
on track to where he has for me to be. And I am so grateful for that. And with Philippians chapter 3, he's letting me know that I have not arrived. As, as far as I've come in my relationship with God, I have a lot further to go, a lot farther to go as well. So I am nowhere near where God intends for me to be, but I'm a lot farther away from where I was when I first started my journey with God. And I have to give myself congratulations for that. And so, yes, I can forget the things that are behind me, but I have to understand that I have to also press forward towards the, the call that God has on my life. The same way we all do. Like God, he wants all of us to live in his magnificence as well as the beauty of a relationship with him that is so fruitful that other people can glean and also gain from our relationship with him. So the scriptures, they remind me that um, not only are there consequences for my actions and lack thereof, but there are also gifts of God's amazing grace that are waiting to wrap me in God's loving forgiveness when I choose to stop following my own heart and begin to follow after God's heart. There were two things that I had that were supposed to be illustrations, so please forgive me, but I'll just describe them for you since they aren't here. But um, one was going to be, uh, do you know about those these water bottles with a cap that they keep things cold for 24 hours? You've heard of those? Okay. And the second was going to be just a dispenser where... Um, Say it's like something that you see at a party where you'll put like Kool-Aid or water in it and then you have the little nozzle that you can flip up for other people to be able to receive whatever is inside from. Okay, so those, pretend those are right here on the table. Okay, so we have the table here with those illustrations. Okay, I'm going to come back to this table a little bit later on. Okay, so um, as I look around the room, I see that there are, there's one thing that every person in this room has in common. And could one person tell me what that is? Jesus. I knew it was going to be a very spiritual answer. <laughs> but for me, yes, Jesus is something that we all have in common. We all have in common that we're all human. We all are in this church right now. We're here. We're breathing. But the one thing that we all have in common, and if you're in any room, everybody in that room will have that same. See, that's Jesus when we're in church. But if you're out in a grocery store, that doesn't apply to everyone who's in the grocery store, you know? So with every room that you'll ever be in, there's one thing that everyone in that room will always have in common, and that's simply that we all have a story. That's the commonality between all of us. We all have a story. And so um, I am purposing tonight to tell you a little bit of my story. So... Our stories, they come from the experiences that we've experienced. And though we all may experience the same experiences, we will not experience that experience the exact same way because we all have different experiences that came about before we experienced that current experience. Is that true? No, it's the truth. Yeah. So that's, that's what, yeah. So that's where our stories come from. They come from the experiences that we experienced before the current experience. All right, so raise your hand if you are the same person this year as you were this time last year. Very good. So if you ever get in a position where you want to have a pity party, I want you to remember that question and realize that you have changed. In spite of all the things in your life that you don't see that you want to have changed, 
something has changed between this time last year and this time this year. So give yourself congratulations for that. I can honestly say that definitely I am not the same person that I was this time last year. I am not even the same person I was this on this date last, like two months ago, because God has really started accelerating the growth and the expectations. Well, I started actually accepting God's expectations of my life. He always had the same expectations. I just chose to ignore them sometimes. So I just started listening to God more um, within the last two months. And speaking of this date, August 16th, um, 2017, this date is very significant for me because today, August 16th, is actually my spiritual birthday. So I am 14 years old spiritually today. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I was baptized in the ocean at Virginia Beach on August the 16th of 2003. And so, yeah, 14 years ago, well, that wasn't the first baptism. That was probably the second of about 12. So... <laughs> but I, um, the reason why I was baptized then is because I had went through an intensive summer of studying the Bible and learning about Jesus Christ. Because in all the time that I've been in church, the one thing that I remember is I'd always heard about God and I knew that Jesus Christ was God's Son, but no one had ever really introduced me to Jesus Christ. And so I met Jesus Christ that summer, and I was very surprised that He was so impactful in my relationship, um, even with God. I didn't know who Jesus was. I, well, I didn't really know who Jesus was, but I learned about who Jesus was that summer. And at the end of the summer, we were given the opportunity to be baptized anywhere we wanted to be. And I just so happened to want to be baptized in the ocean. It seemed the most authentic, you know, back when Jesus was baptized. He was baptized in open water, so I didn't want to be, like, in a church in a baptismal pool excuse me, a pool, so I want it to be authentic. But I was baptized then. August 16th is also very significant in that um, my actual birthday is February 16th. So every six months, I celebrate a birthday. So that's pretty cool. Um, (laughs) Also, August 16th of 2007 is when I became a full vegetarian. Not that that's really... I became a full vegetarian. That was the last day I ate anything that was meat-related. I had some type of seafood, and that was just a mark of today is the day that you will eat no more meat. So that was one of my significant things, too. And August 16th of 2005, um, I had the opportunity to do my initial sermon in West Virginia. So that made this date very significant for me as well. When I think about my life with regard to being here in Florida, especially in light of all that has happened to my life while being here in Florida. Um, I'm convinced that God has a greater plan for my life than even I have had the courage to believe in. I am also convinced that I am God's favorite child. And I am. I'm very convinced of that. Because there is no way God would take me through what I've been through unless he truly, truly loved me. You know, and so all that I've been through is just, for me, it's just a hallmark of how much God loves me. So I definitely am. I take you can you can say it for yourself too, but I know I'm God's favorite child. Because of the impact of my husband's death on my life, I look at my life in terms of December fifteenth and sixteenth, two thousand fifteen, um, which is the beginning, two thousand and sixteen, and then two thousand seventeen, which is another beginning. As many of you already know, I am a widow. And um, 
For me, a widow is not who I am. A widow is what I am. My life and my identity is not tied up in the loss of my husband. Um, I am, my life is definitely still impacted by the fact that he's no longer here. But who I am is not tied up in the fact that Dondre is no longer alive. Though you only know me, and a lot of you only know me from being here in this church <laughs> because of me being with Dondre, um, I actually did have a life before I came to Florida. Life before I became a wife, so um, <laughs> before he entered my life in um, 2013, we were we actually went to school together. Um, we went to college together, and we graduated on the same day, which actually happened to be May 16th of 2004. So our wedding day and our graduation day was the same day. I did um, so God, He knew. Before the life that I was living before Don came back into my life in 2013, that I wasn't living the life that God wanted me to live. Um, I wasn't living a bad life, but I wasn't living an impactful life. Um, my life wasn't very influential with regard to me using my relationship with God to inspire others to have a relationship with God. And so he knew there was only one person who could convince Nisi to leave West Virginia. And that only person that could have convinced me to leave was Don Drew Williams. And so he sat down for me. He reconnected us. And um, we ended up getting married. And of course, you guys, but <laughs> Dondre and I, we knew each other in college. And we were very close. We graduated, like I said, May 16th of 2004. And we both went our separate ways. He got married, um, followed his basketball career, and ended up having children. But he ended up getting divorced. And I found that out a couple of years later when we reconnected over the phone um, in 2013. This was in January, you know, February of 2013. And then in May, March of 2013, one of my pastor friends was taking her family on vacation and they were coming down to Florida and she invited me to come. Dondre was in Tampa at the time and so I um, contacted him to let him know I was coming to Tampa. And so we saw each other for the first time in May, in March of 2013. And we cautiously kept in contact with each other um, up until July of 2013 when we actually started a relationship and it was of course a long distance relationship by July of the following year 2014 we got engaged on my trip um, to moving down to Florida I stopped in Virginia we got engaged and then I kept going down to, um, to Florida though our relationship was far from perfect with lots of complaints and mistakes along the way to prove it we set our wedding date on in January of 2015. May 16th, I became a wife, and seven months later, on December 16th of 2015, I became a widow. There were so many lessons surrounding our relationship and Dondre's death. One of the greatest lessons I learned about and through all that we went through together and all I went through leading up to and after Don's death is that God responds to prayer. After the receiving the news of Don being in ICU, um, I was on the way from work to home because officers were coming from Ocala to come and get me to take me there to see him. And so I was driving from work, and the Holy Spirit reminded me that there's prayer on Tuesdays here at church. And so I came in here to prayer, and my intention was to just give the request for Don, get back on the road, go home, pack, and wait for the officer to come and get me. 
But when I went into the prayer room and I said, Dondre's had a heart attack, please pray for him. And I was about to walk out of the door. They said, no, Nisa, you come in and sat me in the center of the room and everybody there prayed for me. They prayed for me as well as for Dondre. And I didn't realize how much of what I was going through was actually weighing on me. But when I left, the prayers of those that were in that room lifted the weight of what I was carrying off of my shoulders. And so I left with hope and I left encouraged, believing that I was going to go to the hospital and I was coming back home with him. And so I go to the hospital and no one prepared me for the condition that he was actually in. And so when I saw him, I broke down crying because it was, I just wasn't prepared for it. And so this was on Tuesday the 15th. By Wednesday the 16th, about 4.30 in the afternoon, he actually passed away. And I, one thing that I knew was that I was never going to leave Andre. And so my determination in my heart with keeping to my vows was, he's going to leave this room before I do. And so I stayed in the room until his body was removed from, I don't mean to be too, but this is just my story. And so um, I stayed in the room until his body was taken away, and then I was able to leave. When I came home, even before I left, the entire time I was stumped, because I stayed by his side only when I was supposed to leave, like when there were too many people in the room, as far as visitors, I left out to give other people an opportunity to come and see him, or when I out of the room, or um, there were times throughout the day where his heart coded, his heart stopped, and so they would come in and had to administer CPR again, and so I had to leave the room. So those are the only times that I was not by his side. The rest of the time, I was there by his side, and um, I had with me this very Bible, and I, uh, this is a devotional Bible, and the entire, like all that day, and through the night, I slept that night about two to three hours off and on. That was the only sleep that I received. And But the entire time I was like reading my Bible, reading the devotion over and over again. And the next day I was reading the devotion over and over again. And so a part of the devotion was talking about, you're so brave. And other words like that. And I said, Lord, please don't tell me that you're about to take my husband. And when I went to the hospital, there was nothing in me that you could have convinced me that I wasn't coming home with him. So for him to pass away, it really, it surprised me, but God prepared me for it, so it didn't crush me, you know? And so um, that's the thing about God, and that's the reason why prayer is, I know, so important. A relationship with God is so important, because God had me prepared for what he knew he was going to do with Dondre before I even realized that it was happening. And so um, I leave after his body is taken away and I'm coming home the next day and before I even left the hospital I was already surrounded by like a shield and I know it was nothing more than the love of God and it was the prayers of the people around me everybody was saying Nisi I'm praying for you Nisi I'm praying for you and I knew it was true because the way I should have been impacted by something so tragic happening I wasn't and I am still amazed that God still has me sane <laughs> because as I walked through 2016, there were so many milestones that were coming up that were going to be the first with him not being here. My birthday, first birthday without him, first Valentine's Day without him, the one-year anniversary coming up, 
And for all these firsts, I was convinced that I would be upstairs in the fetal position, like just bawling, crying, like just breaking down. But God's grace was so great in my life that for every milestone that I thought I would be broken, God already had love in place for me. There was never any milestone moment that God's love was not there to the point where now this year when I walk through those same milestone moments, I remember the love and the grace of God that met me in 2016. So I, I don't have, I didn't have the sadness that I thought I was going to go into the um, into the moment with. Um, I had, I walked into it with love and joy, and I walked out of it with love and joy to the point that I had to remind myself of what the day actually was because my focus had changed. It wasn't, what in the world am I about to do? How, what, how am I going to handle this? It was, wow, this was a really great day, you know, and that is nothing but God's grace. And it was still the prayers of the people around me. Like, I would come to church, and um, people would say, Nisi, I'm praying for you. And I knew it was true. I knew it was true because I felt the prayers. <laughs> they were definitely covering me. into 2016, January 4th, I went back to my life. I went back to work. And I praise God for the nature of the work that I was doing because my job was advocating for children. And with advocating for children, there is no room for selfishness. It's all about what's in the best interest of the child. And so I was able to focus my life and my time on making life better for other people. So that is what helped to heal my heart. And then there were so many classes that were offered here at the church. Every class that was offered, I was a part of it. Um, connections and relationships were built last year that I had never had before because people were just like, you know, this poor girl, you know, she needs some connection, you know. And it was really nice just to... Um, to be wrapped up in so much support and encouragement. One thing that I did um, last year and that I'm still doing now is I never wanted to be separated from the emotions of what I was going through was actually going to do to me. I didn't want any distractions. Um, people were saying, Lisa, you should get a pet. You know, that, that would be really good for you. You should have a pet. But what a pet was going to be was a distraction. I didn't want a distraction. I wanted to feel every emotion that was going to come up authentically. Every good, bad, indifferent emotion, all of the regret, all of the shame, all of the mistakes, but also all of the good that we shared together. I wanted all of that to hit me as hard as it wanted to hit me. And I wanted to deal with the emotions of all of that in reality. I didn't want to... Is a pet, has a pet eaten. You know, I didn't want anything to distract me from it. And so that's exactly what I did. I didn't have anything, any distractions in my life all of 2016. Because um, it was an opportunity for me to process not just my relationship with Dondre, but all my other relationships as well. And the one thing that I kept seeing is how who and how I was impacted my relationships. It's easy. Like, when you have something distracting you, you can always blame stuff on other things, you know, but when you don't have anything distracting you from actually seeing the truth about yourself, or when I didn't have anything distracting me from the truth about myself, 
I had no choice but to accept my reality and to accept the part that I was playing in how my relationships did or didn't like play out. Because there were some ways inside of me that I kept avoiding resolving, you know. And so with having nothing there to distract me, I got a chance to clearly see who and how I actually was. And a lot of it wasn't good, I'll admit. But a lot of it was good. But for the part that wasn't good, God already had something in place for me to help me resolve those issues inside of myself so that I could grow and be the best person possible. And so 2016, I got a chance to see pride in me, haughtiness in me, judgment. There was low self-worth, low self-esteem. There was arrogance. There was self-sabotage, feeling like I wasn't enough or that I was too much. A lot of conflicting emotions um, that I left unresolved that impacted my interactions with others. Now, of course, there were um, great qualities that existed as well, like um, attentiveness. There was kindness, caring, personability helpfulness, a beautiful heart and spirit, great, a great listener, a true friend, etc. But it's the little foxes, those negative, unresolved truth, truths and traits that were spoiling my relationships. In 2016, it's like the Lord was allowing me to see the things that he planned to uproot and destroy. So in 2016, he took me through many classes, like I was saying, and led me to many books one of the books that I actually had an opportunity to read last year was the book Fervent. And so, but I had no intention of ever doing anything with the information. I planned on just reading the book and letting it impact my life and then moving on to the next book. But he, um, he sent me and led me to those different things, the classes and the books, so that they could strengthen me and prepare me for what he had in store for me in 2017, things that I would have never imagined for myself. In 2016, I was in so many ways shielded and protected. And in 2017, it's like God was saying, now you have to work. And now you have work to do. The church's theme for 2016 was the year of breakthrough. And I can honestly say that I broke through a lot of personal barriers last year. This year's theme, Prove Me, from Malachi 3.10, has challenged me in ways and in areas I've never accepted being challenged before. When God says, now you have work to do, the best way for me to explain it is with this illustration that's on this table right here. See? Okay. So let me show you what I'm going to do. So on this table, like I said, is one of those um, bottles that keeps things cold for 24 hours. And there's also a dispenser right here. But now there is also a gallon of water. I know you can see it clearly. Are you standing up to see it? (laughs) Thank you for that great imagination. Okay, so I'm opening up the gallon of water. I'm coming over here, and I'm unscrewing the 24-hour cold bottle, and I am pouring the water inside. And now I'm putting the the cap back on. And now I'm going over here to the dispenser, taking the lid off, and I'm pouring the remainder of the gallon inside of the dispenser. You see the water? You hear it? Mm-hmm. I know. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So let's see. So now I'm putting down the gallon, putting the lid back on the dispenser. And so for all the way up into 2017, my life looked like this bottle that keeps things cold for 24 hours in that there were things that were just poured into me that were there to quench my thirst, 
that I just kept to myself. I would read books that were really great that others could be really impacted by, and I kept it to myself. There were stories about my life that I could have shared to help other people, and I just kept it to myself. Healings that God did in my life, changes that God made in my life that could have helped other people that I just put in my bottle and I kept to myself. And the thing about what was poured into the bottle as well as the dispenser is water represents the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit was poured into my bottle and I just put my lid on it and kept it cold for myself. So whenever I felt like drinking, I unscrewed the lid and I drank some of the Holy Spirit for myself. And I put the lid back on it and I kept it. It was my own, it was for my own personal use. So in 2017, when God is telling me, Nisi, now you have work to do, he's saying, now your life has to be like this dispenser where I'm going to pour my spirit into you. And now everything that's inside of you is now going to be available for other people's thirsts to be quenched by. And so it's such a, such a difference in how God has my life now and how he had it in 2016. Because honestly, when I read the book Fervent, I had no intention of doing anything with the book. Um, I just knew it was going to help me in some areas, and that's all I really was going to do with it was let it help me. But God is, his expectation of me is so different. Like, I didn't go through the death of a husband sanely for me to keep all of that and all that's happened in my life since just for myself. He wants me to be that dispenser and to let others be able to come and draw from his spirit through my life. The same way he wants all of our lives to be dispensers of his spirit, of his grace, of his mercy, of his love, for others to be able to come and draw from um, willingly and freely. You know, So that's my illustration. Thank you for participating and watching me work. <laughs> With the, me being the dispenser, or in 2007, my life resembling the dispenser, God is saying to me, um, he pours himself, his spirit into me, and he's saying, now you are ready to make what is poured into you available for others. It's time for others' thirst to be quenched through you. When I look at the two scriptures, they are so appropriate for my life. With Philippians 3, verses 13 through 14, I can't stop... I realize that I can't, I see that I can't stop where I am after every mistake and give up. I have to keep going because I am not yet what or who God intends me to be. The only way I will be her is to continue to move forward, to move away from who, how, and what I used to be towards God's heart and who, how, and what he is calling me to be. But in 2 Chronicles 7.14, where it says, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. What that is um, truly saying is, the only way that I'll get what God has promised is that I live humbly before him, confessing my sin, and positioning myself before him for forgiveness and restoration and continue moving forward. And that is all we all have to do. When we mess up, wherever we fall short, we don't have to stay in our mess up. We don't have to be overcome or overwhelmed by self-pity, condemnation, or shame. 
God's grace is waiting for us to turn away from following our own heart and to turn towards following His. Every day is another chance to restart our journey to God's heart. Every moment is another opportunity for us to restart our race towards becoming all God desires and expects us to be. Every breath is another moment where we can make a choice to restart our heart, our motives, our conversation, our investments, our efforts, so that what comes from us proves that we have a real relationship with God. God is inviting us to restart, to start again from where we are. We can't do anything about what's already done. But by God's grace, we can restart from where we are and allow his grace to shine on our path as we live a life that leads others to his heart. The invitation is being extended today. Are you ready to restart? (laughs) All right, let us pray. Father, we thank you for this message. Thank you for the growth that happens when we say yes to you and refuse to take our yes back. Father, you have a plan for our lives that is so much better than we would ever have the courage to believe. And we thank you that you take us through what's necessary to prepare us to be everything that you need us to be so that your spirit can flow through us to impact the hearts of those that you are going to place us in the midst of and in connection with. Father, let us be faithful with growing in you, growing in our relationship with you, growing in humility, growing in grace, letting your mercy wash us heal us and fill us so that when others see us, Lord God, they will be in awe of your spirit shining through us. And when they hear our stories, we and our lives will be such contradictions of how and who and what we were that they will know for truth that you're real. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to carry your name and to carry your spirit inside of us. Let us be faithful with pouring you out wherever you see fit. Lord God, let us be vessels of honor. Let our lives and our words and our thoughts and our motives be honorable. Lord God, so that you really will get the glory that you deserve from us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity for restarting again. Where we don't have to stay where we were or how we were or who we were. The mistakes are not permanent. Let us get up and move forward. Let us not stop where we are, but let us continue to press towards the mark, the the call, the high prize, Lord God, that you're calling us towards. You have a life and a plan for us, God, that is all about you. Let us trust it, let us believe it, and let us walk in it. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness towards us. Let your love continue to impact our hearts and the relationships that you've placed us in the midst of. Father, we thank you so much in Jesus Christ. It's in your most precious name. We thank you and we love you. Amen.